From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. Hydrogen will be a major renewable energy source in the near future and can be produced by splitting water atoms. But the government is ignoring this low-carbon option in favour of a hydrogen industry run on fossil fuels. Mike Seckham on how Angus Taylor and Matt Canavan are turning a green energy source brown. Mike, tell me about this media release that came from Angus Taylor and Matt Canavan last week. The interesting thing about it is that Angus Taylor and Matt Canavan two of the biggest supporters of fossil fuel in the parliament, were suddenly enthused about the prospects of clean energy. The press release was all about hydrogen, which is a wonderful fuel source. You know, when it's burned, it produces no greenhouse emissions at all. And they were, they were just talking up the prospects of hydrogen big time. Mike Seckham is the Saturday paper's national correspondent. The release opened by promising that Australia would become, quote, a world leader in hydrogen production and export, thanks to a new fund set up by the government. And then it went on to quote Taylor, the energy minister, predicting that Australia would become hydrogen supplier to the world. We have enormous opportunity to be a major exporter of energy in the future, just as we have been until now and, and will be in the coming years. Uh, and hydrogen is of enormous interest to these countries. I was in Japan. Canavan, the resources minister, who's run a scare campaign against renewables for as long as I can remember, saying they will cost jobs and, you know, damage the economy, etc., was suddenly talking up the potential for thousands of new jobs and billions of dollars in economic growth between now and 2050 through the export of hydrogen to countries like Japan, South Korea, Singapore and Taiwan. There's a, a real interest in growing demand for hydrogen in our region and we are really the best place in the world for clean hydrogen to be produced. And the release went on to announce that they were uh, giving $370 million in funding towards the implementation of a national hydrogen strategy, which has been worked up by Australia's chief scientist, Professor Alan Finkel, and was approved recently by the Council of Australian Government's Energy Council just the day before the press release came out. So, Mike, before we go any further into sort of exactly what this press release is getting at and what it means, how does hydrogen energy actually work? Well, like gas and coal and other fossil fuels, it releases energy when it's burned. The difference is that when you use hydrogen, it doesn't produce carbon dioxide, which is the major greenhouse gas. It combines with oxygen to produce water as a waste product. So there's no carbon pollution involved in the use of it. The production of it can be a different story, though, because hydrogen can be produced in a variety of ways. It can be produced from fossil fuels like coal and gas, and that process does involve the release of carbon dioxide. Hmm. Alternatively, it can be produced by a process of electrolysis, whereby you split water atoms into their component parts, hydrogen and oxygen, so, you know, no pollutants there. However, this electrolysis process is very energy-intensive, So what really matters here is where the energy comes from that you use to create the hydrogen in the first place. If it comes from a renewable source, a green source like solar or wind power, the result is a completely clean, storable, transportable form of energy. Hydrogen is actually a colourless gas, but experts in the field attribute colours to it. So that which is generated um, by renewables is called green hydrogen, for fairly obvious reasons. If it comes from gas, they call it blue hydrogen. And if it comes from coal, they call it brown hydrogen. And what kind of hydrogen production is it that Taylor and Canavan are proposing? Is it green, blue or brown? 
Taylor and Canavan are proposing that we go the brown hydrogen route by producing it from fossil fuels. We're at something of a fork in the road here in Australia. What the energy experts are seeing, what the environmentalists are concerned about, and what appears to have come out of that recent COAG Energy Council meeting uh, a couple of weeks back, was that the government appears to be, or is pretty clearly, intent on taking us down the dirty hydrogen route of using fossil fuels. And what else happened at that meeting? Well, I spoke with Shane Rattenbury, who's the uh, ACT Minister for Climate Change and Sustainability. And he went in to the COAG meeting with a proposal to amend the National Hydrogen Strategy such that it supported only green hydrogen produced from renewable electricity. I argued that in the future, countries are going to want only green hydrogen because most other countries, of course, have a serious commitment to tackling climate change. He wanted to make it so the plan would mean hydrogen produced from fossil fuels would not be defined as clean. He tells me that in the meeting, he got zero support for that idea from the federal ministers, from all his state colleagues who were there. He also had a second proposal, a sort of fallback position, whereby he proposed that if hydrogen were generated from fossil fuels using carbon capture and storage, it could only be defined as clean if a minimum of 90% of the carbon dioxide emissions created in the process were captured. And that idea crashed and burned as well. None of the other states or territories backed him on that one. And where was Angus Taylor? I'm assuming he was in the meeting. Taylor sort of added insult to injury, really, because Rattenbury says Taylor, who was running the meeting, of course, rebuked him for trying to redefine what was considered to be clean hydrogen. Rattenbury says that Taylor told him, and I'm quoting what he said, ministers cannot amend the draft strategy. I find it extraordinary that the suggestion was made that ministers could not amend the draft document. Ministers have that power... And to say we don't makes a mockery of us actually being at the meeting at all. Trattenbury responded, if ministers can't amend this, I don't know what we're doing with our jobs. Why have the meeting? Which seems seems to be an eminently uh, sensible riposte to make. Fair um, enough, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And he described the whole experience as galling and quite extraordinary. By far the, uh, the most frustrating meeting that he's been to. I've never seen something like that happen before. The classic case of greenwash of saying we're going to produce this clean energy of the future... Just don't look at the fact that we're producing it uh, from brown coal or from natural gas. I should add, he was not critical of Alan Finkel. Finkel was given writing instructions that the proposal he came up with should be technology neutral. So um, Rattenbury has no problem with that in particular. In fact, he's quite happy that Finkel appears to be quite the apostle for hydrogen and also is calling for some kind of labelling method so that we know the source of the hydrogen. In other words, if we are using green, blue or brown sources, that has to be clearly labelled on the, the hydrogen production method. Yes, yeah, and, and, and you would have to know the carbon footprint of the process, that's right. And so, Mike, right now, where is the government spending and investing in the hydrogen energy technology? Well, Australia is devoting far more money to efforts in pursuit of coal to hydrogen technology, which basically means propping up our fossil fuel sector. We'll be right back. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. 
Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for, please. <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, this. If that's, no. if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, we're talking about the government investment in hydrogen energy, especially brown hydrogen that will essentially prop up the coal sector. Have any projects of this nature actually started? So the announcement of the money that was made by the two ministers in that press release, that was $370 million. Only $70 million of that is earmarked specifically for work towards hydrogen from water. So, so a reasonably small part of the whole. We do have one coal to hydrogen pilot plant about to get up and running called the Hydrogen Energy Supply Chain, which has um, been put together by a consortium of Japanese and Australian interests at a cost of almost $500 million, which includes $50 million contribution from the federal government and another $50 million from the Victorian government. And this will result in a pilot plan beginning to operate for one year, um, next year, 2020, and running until 2021. The Hydrogen Energy Supply Chain Project is a world-first trial to demonstrate the production and safe transport of liquefied hydrogen using Australian brown coal from Victoria's Latrobe Valley. During this period, the pilot plant is slated to produce, at most, three tonnes of hydrogen. And to achieve this three tonnes of hydrogen, it will use 160 tonnes of brown coal and will emit 100 tonnes of carbon dioxide. At this point, the pilot plant would not attempt any kind of capture and storage of the resulting carbon dioxide. So anyway, at the moment, we're spending the better part of $500 million to produce three tonnes of hydrogen and an awful lot of carbon dioxide. What about kind of costs related to these two different energy sources for hydrogen production? Like, what's the rationale behind investing in coal to hydrogen instead of renewable sources? At the moment, it seems to be the case that producing from fossil fuel is is considerably cheaper if you don't do carbon capture and storage, possibly about line ball if you do do carbon capture and storage. But the interesting thing is costs are coming down pretty quickly for the electrolysis process. For the story I spoke to, Frank Yotso, director of the Centre for Climate and Energy Policy and co-director of the Energy Transition Hub at the Australian National University. And uh, numbers that, that his people have done and also numbers from the International Energy Agency suggest that hydrogen from water is likely to become cost competitive within a decade, somewhere in the five to 10 year range. So, um, you know, once once that happens, there doesn't seem to be much rationale for producing it. So Angus Taylor is saying he predicts Australia will become a world leader in hydrogen production and export. But will the countries that we'd be looking to export to be interested in anything other than green hydrogen? Well, that's a good question. And uh, Probably not. Another of the country's leading experts on the subject, Associate Professor Malta Meinshausen of the Climate and Energy College at the University of Melbourne, he's worried that Australia is backing the wrong horse by funding cold hydrogen projects. And his view is, based on considerable experience he used to work in Europe, that if Australia goes with hydrogen produced from fossil fuels, then, quote, it shoots itself in the foot because the world simply will choose to buy green hydrogen if it can. 
And the European Union, he says, is, is moving towards hydrogen. Germany in particular, he said, is already producing green hydrogen at reasonably significant scale. And his view is that in order to fulfil the future demand, because, you know, the demand is as yet relatively small, but will grow rapidly, according to all the predictions, it's vital that we get into the green hydrogen business because that's where the technology is leading. I recall a few months ago, I went up to Brisbane to see uh, Al Gore and Mike Cannon-Brooks talking about alternative energy and climate change. And Cannon-Brooks was um, suggesting that Australia should be aiming to generate 200% of its domestic energy needs and exporting the extra 100%. And at the time, I thought, wow, this is pretty big, and this was a story. Well, now, in the intervening months, serious people are saying, well, no, why stop at that? Why not 500%, 700%, 1,000%? Hypothetically, this could lead to the reindustrialization of Australia. You know, we could become the most cost-competitive place to do this kind of stuff. And, Mike, you talked about a fork in the road earlier. Having worked on this story now... Do you think we've taken a step down either of those paths yet? Or is there still time for us to make a decision about which way to go? I think there's still time. The view in the, in the hydrogen strategy, the Finkel report, is that we leave it up to the market to decide which technology it will be. But government policy influences the market. We're spending half a billion dollars on this pilot plant. Well, that seems to me to be a fairly significant step down the road towards the fossil fuel option. We could quite easily go back the other way. There's some work being done in the country already on uh, hydrogen from electrolysis. But it does seem to me that the government is putting most of its eggs in the fossil fuel basket on this one. The great irony here is, as Taylor said, we could become hydrogen supplier to the world. But at the moment, the government is much more focused on becoming fossil fuel supplier to the world. We're running towards a tragedy of the commons in this country. We're not looking at the alternatives that could be good for the planet, good for the climate, and potentially good for our economy as well. Instead, we're kowtowing, I guess, to vested interests in the fossil fuel industry. Mike, thank you. Thank you very much. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts, and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Elsewhere in the news, the Morrison government repealed the Medivac laws in the Senate on Wednesday, which had allowed refugees to come to Australia for medical treatment. Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie held the crucial vote. She cited national security reasons as the basis for her decision to support the repeal, but refused to outline the details of her negotiations with the coalition. A tearful Lambie told the Senate, quote, I'm not being coy or silly when I say I genuinely can't say what I proposed. Labor and the Greens have accused Lambie and the government of striking a secret deal. And Israel Folau has reached a confidential settlement with Rugby Australia. In a joint statement issued on Wednesday, both parties apologised and said that they did not intend to cause harm to one another. The settlement comes after Folau was sacked for social media posts that said homosexuals, adulterers, fornicators and drunkards were going to hell. 
According to court documents, in addition to an apology, Folau was seeking $14 million in compensation. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. See you Friday.